From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to the Anxiety Project Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Robinson, here with you today. This podcast episode is different. I have a very special guest. Her name is Jennifer Cooper Scott, and she is a teacher. Hello, Jen. Hi, Brad. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great. Doing well. And I read your book, uh, Teaching with Anxiety. Very interesting because it really opens up to people in the workplace having anxiety, but being sheltered or not being open about it. Um, What made you decide to write this book? Well, I wrote the book because uh, I realized after going through periods of anxiety while teaching that there were a lot of other educators, uh, counselors, administrators, people in education who are dealing with anxiety just like I was dealing with it. And so I wanted to really reach out to those who are struggling with anxiety in the educational world and and help them to get through it. So that was the main premise of the book is just to get the word out that anxiety is real, it happens in the classroom, and it needs to be addressed. Our educators need help. They need something that will help them get through those periods of anxiety. What is your experience with anxiety? When did that first begin? Was it when you started to become a teacher or was it way before that? No, it was not even at the beginning of teaching. At the beginning of teaching, it was really, uh, I had a really great experience you don't realize that you're in a point of anxiety or burnout until you've kind of stepped away from it. And that's when I realized what was happening. I had gotten injured in the classroom. I was extremely exhausted. I spent a lot of time on my couch at home. And when I was going through all of that trauma in the classroom, and I left to take a, uh, an absence, and I realized what was going on and what was happening. I was in, I had a lot of anxiety at that point. I had a lot of burnout at that point. I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, I didn't practice any kind of self-care techniques that I talk about in the book. Um, I didn't have really a counselor or anybody, you know, to help me through it. Um, but you don't realize you're in it until you're out of it, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I, When you're in the workplace, I find that I used to overwork myself for the purpose of ignoring those skeletons. And then once you step out, and, and I see it with people retiring too, when they step out of that busy lifestyle those skeletons will just come up and they don't know how to deal with it. 
Right. And then, so when I went back into the classroom after I had taken a period of time off and it wasn't very long, it was probably like a month and a half, that anxiety really kicked in. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it was hard to drive to work. Um, I cried a lot on the way to work and on the way home. Um, I hid it in the classroom because I didn't want, like I've stated in my book, I didn't want parents to know. I didn't want my coworkers to know. I definitely didn't want my administrators to know because I didn't want them. I didn't want to feel inadequate in what I was doing in the classroom. And so after I left all of that, I left education it really kind of started to click and it really started to, I, I really started to understand better what I was going through. And so I left the classroom and I decided to write the book. And then I developed a um, Facebook group page for educators and they started talking about how they were going through anxiety and how they couldn't keep up and they couldn't, they didn't know what to do. And I thought, Oh my gosh, how many people are really going through this all the time? And so I put um, the word out there that I was going to write a book about anxiety in the classroom. And I I got several responses and just started interviewing educators about their experience. And I put four in the book. Um, They didn't want to be identified of course, because they're still in the classroom and them like me, they don't want to feel inadequate in their jobs. They don't want people to know that they're dealing with anxiety. They don't want them to, to look differently. They don't want to feel differently in their classroom, which is understandable. So we did it all anonymously. It's interesting once you get it out there and kind of once you are honest about it yourself, then other people become attracted to you because you don't have to scratch too far under someone's life to find a tragedy and people are so closed off about it that once you put it out there that, you know, I am struggling and that, you know, this anxiety is real, other people will connect with you. It will be a magnet because people don't want to talk about it because people with anxiety have a fear of being judged. But once you become more open about it, it's it's just like a snowball effect. People will, hey, you know, I have that too. And it's like a community building. Did you find when you made that Facebook group, it's just a community of people? It is. And, it, you know, I, and it's funny that you said that because I was one of those people who didn't want to be judged. And the educators that I spoke to, they don't want to be judged either for yeah. having that anxiety. You know, a lot of um, that I spoke with are dealing with a lot of aggression in the classroom, and that's what's causing a lot of anxiety. They don't want to go to work. They're, you know, don't want to be in the classroom with that continued aggression every single day. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I left, wrote the book, and started talking to other educators about their fears and their anxieties in the classroom and what they were dealing with. Um, So I'm glad it's out there now. Um, It's helped me realize what I had, have, you know, to a point, I don't think you ever get rid of it all, you know, anxiety um, all at once. But once it came to a head and I realized what I've been dealing with and how I've struggled, 
you know, it's kind of been like therapy to write the book and to talk to other educators and, and get it out there that, you know, this is happening to our teachers and we really need to help them through this. You know, we're, we're constantly talking about mental health of students. How can we help the students through trauma? How can we do this for the students? But what about our educators? You know, our educators are just as important. You know, what about their mental health? What about their self-care? What about them? You know, if our educators aren't 100%, they can't give 100% to the student. Teachers that need help dealing with their mental health, is there any support out there teachers can go to or is the educational system providing these teachers with that support for mental health? Well, I don't know about like mental health, but when I was going through everything, um, we had an employee assistance program. Okay. And um, through that employee assistance program, there's counselors, mm. there's um, a variety of other people. But for me, I couldn't find a counselor that was accepting new patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't very beneficial for me. Um, And so what I did was I found an online um, counseling service that I could go to. But then again, I was paying for it out of my own pocket. So it didn't come through any kind of insurance. And so I couldn't continue with the online counseling because of course it's expensive and I couldn't afford it. Um, But in the back of my book, that online counseling program is offering one month of free online counseling. And what they have done is they have contacted the districts to try and get on their insurance programs to better assist those educators and be able to provide that service for educators like myself who couldn't find a counselor. Now, I had a really good school psychologist, psychologist, her LSSP, and she was um, constantly trying to help me and, and help me find someone to help me through that. It was unsuccessful, but she was there and she you know, tried to help me through all of that. Mm -hmm. But I did it on my own. Um, Like I said, I found the online counseling. I kind of meditated and started reading a lot of uh, Bible devotionals. When did you know you had anxiety specifically? Because when I first was experiencing panic and high levels of anxiety, uh, I didn't know what it was. I had health anxiety, but I really thought I was physically ill, not not having anxiety. I didn't even know what anxiety was. When did you realize that, you know, I have anxiety specifically? Right. Well, it happened um, a couple years before I wrote the book. And I was actually sitting at a stoplight going to see a couple friends for lunch and, um, I just got this tingling hot sensation at the bottom of my feet and it went from my feet all the way up. And then I started to like panic, like you said, and I, my heart was beating really fast and I got nauseous. And so I made it to the restaurant, but I couldn't, I couldn't make it through lunch and I had no idea what was going on. So I went and saw my doctor and she's like, oh yeah, that's like a panic attack or anxiety. And I was like, wow, why, 
why am I going through all of this? And so we, her and I started talking about, you know, my daily stress of my job, you know, what I was going through, I was going through my doctorate at the same time. Um, so all of that stress, she said, creates all that anxiety, even though I'm a very calm and patient person, I never thought that I would ever have anxiety or panic attacks because I'm very calm. I'm very patient. You know, I was dealing with, you know, special education students who needed a lot from me and I didn't realize the toll that it takes on you physically, mentally, and emotionally and can throw you in that state. You know, even the most um, dedicated, calm and patient person can have periods of anxiety. So that's when I realized it sitting at the stoplight. And what were the first steps for you to cope with anxiety and, and, and deal with it? And what, where did you turn to specifically? Well, coping with it was a whole different thing. Mm. I didn't really cope with it until I left education. Mm -hmm. Um, what would happen was I'd go to work, I'd try and keep busy with my daily tasks. And then I would hurry home get into my pajamas and crawl up on the couch. So that was my daily routine. I didn't like going out. I didn't like, you know, being a part of society. And, you know, sometimes to still to this day, that's, I just want to stay home. I don't want to get out in the crowds. I don't want to go, you know, do things, which is kind of, you need to get out. You need to do things. Um, so I didn't really cope with it until after I finished my doctorate, after I finished my teaching career, and then I wrote this book. That's when I've been dealing with it the most. By helping people, writing it was a lot of therapy, um, getting through it, you know, and just just helping. And I think that has coped and helped the most since I've left. One of the most major uh, techniques and, and pieces of advice I give my clients is to actually get it onto paper and talk about it and, and write journals about it because that is not only a form of meditation, but you're being honest with yourself. You know, this is how I actually feel because people with anxiety they don't want to face that dragon. They don't want to face that their true self because they're so disconnected from their sense of self. And I always recommend, you know, write it down, talk about it, talk to somebody close to you about it. Uh, and this allows you to be honest with yourself, to get in touch with your own self because people are so disconnected I I also saw in your and read in your book teachers juggle too much at at the job and this can stem through all workplaces not just teaching but juggling overworking and this increases someone's anxiety and so what can you do to reduce this chaos, reduce all of this workload and, and manage your time properly to reduce this anxiety? 
Well, and I think there are several aspects to this that we should talk about. First of all, right. it's a mindset change that we need to fix at the district level, at the state level, because right now the state tells you, you know, what we need to do, right? So when you're a special education teacher, you have mounds of paperwork, you have IEPs, you have goals and objectives, um, you have uh, tier interventions, you have so much that you have to deal with. So it's a mindset change at at the district level, at the campus level with administration, and so on and so forth. We can't keep piling on and piling on and piling on to our educators and expect them to be 100% effective. They can't do it. They're human. They're not robots. Um, so we need to get districts to realize that putting so much on their educators is, off, is actually causing more harm than it is helping them. So that's the first step. The second step is as an educator, you need to learn how to say no. And that was hard for me because I was one of those educators at first that took all my paperwork home. I worked at home long hours. Um, and then I was up early going to school and it really burnt me out. It really sent me over the edge. So as an educator, you need to draw the line you need to practice those self-care techniques. You need to not take your paperwork home. And I completely understand the anxiety of not being able to get that paperwork done unless you take it home, but you, you need to stop somewhere. And so there's kind of two levels of this. And that's why I've started to, um, you know, talk at conferences and do different podcasts and stuff to get the word out to help districts learn you can't keep piling this stuff on to educators because you're going to burn them out. And I went to a conference last week and um, some educators were telling me that not a lot of people are enrolling in teacher certification programs at the college level anymore because teachers they don't want to teach anymore. So who wants to go into teaching hearing all of this negative stuff about about what's going on. So we need to change that because our teachers are important. Education is important, but we need to fix what's happening in our educational system so the anxiety gets less. We can take care of our educators. That way our educators can take care of our students because if those educators aren't 100%, they can't give 100% to those, those students. And so mindset change. We need to change the mindset of the district and the state levels. And then we really need those educators to stand up for themselves. And a lot of these teachers, not only are they overwhelmed by the workload you just mentioned, but there's a lot of stress in the classroom that was mentioned in your book. Can you just elaborate on that stress alone, other than all that paperwork and, and even at home you were saying, because these are these are long days at a classroom dealing with children, which is highly stressful. How do teachers handle that aspect, and how did you handle that? Well, and I think it goes back to um, some of them practice do practice that self care, and that's yeah. what's important. Um, a lot of them, like I said, you don't really realize you're in it until someone else, like myself says, you know what, this is what I've dealt with. This is what I'm seeing. And then they realize that they're in it. 
the teachers that I interviewed for the book are dealing with aggression in the classroom. And so that is um, kind of the top priority for me to get the word out because those teachers are dealing with such aggression. And we, we need to change that too. We need to fix that because that's causing a lot of anxiety in the classroom. You know, kids are going to have behaviors. We get that. Um, but we need to change how we're dealing with those behaviors. And I think that's a big part of that mindset change. Um, I've heard a lot from educators that um, it's been said that, oh, well, you're in special education. You knew what you were getting into, so now you just have to deal with it. And that's not okay. Um, we, I didn't get into teaching to get beat up all day, every day. And I know other educators didn't get into teaching for that aspect either. We went into special education to help those students. So we need help in the classroom. We need that help by administrator support. When we're having aggression in the classroom, we need backup and support. We need extra help in the classroom to help support those teachers who are dealing with that aggression. And then we need to change how we discipline our special education students. We all know that they have a disability, but the mindset needs to change with that. Just because they have a disability doesn't mean there should not be any consequences. And I think that's a huge mindset change that needs to happen throughout the United States, probably worldwide. I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, you know what? They're like that because of their disability. No, that's not okay. These kids can learn just like any other kid. And so we need to fix and change that too. Now, does the consequence need to match? Yes, I, I think the consequence needs to match the, the disability. But let's stop using disability as an excuse not to incorporate some consequences when there's behaviors in the classroom. And you mentioned a, a great technique in your book called the grounding technique. I really like this because it's a mindfulness practice that we all need to do. I wish they would have taught me in, in schooling when I was younger because I grew up in, in, the, in the educational system, in the Western culture, in our schooling. We're not really taught how to handle the loss of a loved one. We're not taught how to handle huge life changes that bring about anxiety, depression, that these are important tools that we need. And I like how you mentioned that, you know, they're not, the administrators aren't recognizing that with the teachers and the teachers can't really help the students either. And so this I found was a huge contributor to, to my anxiety, not having the proper tools, not learning how to handle the chaos life always brings. That's always inevitable. And so you talking about this technique is really great because I practice mindfulness every day. And can you just elaborate on this technique and, and why you find it to be so effective for you? Right. I love the grounding technique. And, um, and I do have to say that um, before, like, 
I don't think that every district or every campus or every educator is going through this, mm -hmm. but I do um, that we need to get some mindset changes. And you're right. We're not taught to implement these coping strategies um, so that we can, you know, relieve ourselves of this anxiety, which I think is something else that needs to change in education. We need those professional development trainings on these, you know, coping strategies mm. for adults, you know, our mental health for self-care. We need to learn how to recognize the factors of burnout as an educator. I didn't realize that's what I was going through until I got hurt and I was out of the classroom for a little while. So, but back to the grounding, I love how this grounding technique takes you through different steps. You know, it, it makes you focus on different things other than what your anxiety is or what you're going through at the moment. And it really even helps when you're driving down the road and you're stuck in a lot of traffic, you know, that, that grounding technique really helps. And I love the smell of essential oils and the peppermint and the calming lavender. So those are the th things that I turn to when I'm, you know, getting anxious, you know, you need all that, but who, who's trained in all that, you know, when I first went into education, I didn't know anything about it. And do you practice these on a daily basis? What is your routine now that helped you manage the the workload and and your job? Right. So when I was teaching, I did a lot of this grounding in my classroom, but I kept my classroom very um, low key. Like mm. uh, I used lamps in my classroom and kept the the uh, fluorescent lights off mm -hmm. because you don't know. You know, there's studies been done that kids with autism can hear the humming in the lights. So I kept those turned off and I used lamps in my classroom, which helped it calming, keep the calming atmosphere. I used a lot of um, classical music in my classroom that really helped the kids and myself and the staff stay calm. Um, so just finding what works for you. Now I'm at home. Um, a lot. I'm writing books. I'm doing some curriculum development at home. So it's not, I'm not doing things that are, are really cause of a lot of anxiety, but I start to feel anxious. I do. I pull out my essential oils. Um, I turn on my diffuser. I, you know, keep the lights down low. Um, I drink a lot of water now. I've really cut out caffeine and soda. Um, so that helps a lot. And then the one thing that I'm not good at that I need to get better at is exercising, getting out and walking and, you know, making time for that because your, your body really needs that. And then, uh, the one thing that I did this weekend that, um, it has, it really helped this weekend is unplugging for the weekend. If you're on Instagram for more than five minutes, you can feel like a tension build up. You, or, uh, if you're just watching TV, I feel like, you know, I am kind of betraying my higher self a little bit. I could be reading a book. I could be working on the next podcast or I can be uh, working on the next video, whatever it is. So I limit all of my TV to an hour most a day. I would, 
I would make sure that I, in the morning I get my work done by noon. And so I, I can reward myself a little bit after that and always having that reward or that TV time as a reward rather than, um, you know, kind of like ignoring the snakes under the carpet, which could be responsibilities. And that also brings me back to my point of the educational systems not really teaching the students and like myself, especially in the Western world, these techniques, like these are so important to living a, a happy and fulfilled life. And, but most importantly, keeping a balance. It's that yin and yang symbol, too much of too much of the chaos, you will fall into anxiety, depression, too much order, you know, not good either. You need a balance. It's that fine line in between. So for me, just to bounce off what you were saying, is that walk in the, the park. It's knowing when to use the tools and adding, adding that order to the chaos. Again, it goes back to that mindset change when, you know, when I would get home from teaching, I would be so exhausted that the TV was on just to have some noise. And I would watch some rerun after rerun because I already, I've already seen it. And it, it was just something in, in the background to keep my mind off of all the work that I had to get done the next day. So I, I think that's a mindset change too, that, you know, we, we just come home and we're so tired that we turn on the TV and we just, it's mind numbing just to sit there and watch. I agree. And Jen, I really appreciate you coming on here, talking to me about your story. Um, it, it's never easy. For me, it wasn't easy coming out and talking to other people about it because a lot of people don't understand, especially the people close to you. They're, they, they, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, you know, just go relax, have a beer, get over it. But it can be a mental trap that, that it was for me. And so I think everything you mentioned from the techniques to how you handled your situation where you added more balance, you, you, you started to work on yourself in these techniques. And I think it's so important to people listening that it's about adding more of that order to the chaos. For me, working in the film industry, I used to work 16 hour days, 80 hour work weeks, and it was my passion but like we were talking about earlier, that passion started to be to lessen and lessen, and I started to be overworked, and that's why I left because I, 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 I there was no balance. It was too much work, and not enough family, not enough nature, not enough gym, or not enough of me. What and so that I had to make a really hard decision, and I noticed in your book you mentioned that teachers were actually leaving because of the the chaos that you were talking about. And it's so, it's not good, especially the educational system. I mean, that's different. That's something that's so important in our society. We need to pay more right. attention. And I think it goes back to, you know, the things that we said earlier. I mean, these educators are passionate. They love these kids. They love right. what they do. You know, when I went into special education, I knew that's where I needed to be. 
Um, and you lose yourself, you lose that passion and you, you get burned out so quickly. I agree. And I'm going to end on that note, Dr. Scott, thank you for coming and joining me, getting this message out there that, you know, you're not alone in the workplace with anxiety and helping the educators. And so where can people find you, Jennifer? Okay, I have several um, ways they can get a hold of me if they need something. I have a Facebook group called the ABCs of Special Education. Even though it says special education, it's for all anyone in education from elementary to university level. We have all those. We have administrators, district personnel, teachers, uh, um, so on and so forth. Or they can email me at advocate for teachers at mail.com. So advocate for teachers at mail.com. Um, they can reach me either way. Um, if they have an idea for a podcast or, um, just want to talk about their, um, maybe they have a message that I don't know about that they want to get out there, whatever they need. Um, I want to help them through it. Uh, they can find the books on Amazon or through lulu.com. It's L-U-L-U.com. Um, and it's called Teaching with Anxiety, and they can find them on there. Um, if you know, Just whatever they need, I'm hoping just to help as many educators as we possibly can um, through whatever they need. Once again, thank you, Dr. Scott. And it's been a great podcast. Thank you, Bradley, for having me. You're very welcome. Anytime. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. What are you waiting for? Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.